What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is your host, Rochelle Patnola. Today I have with me Danny Miranda. Danny Miranda, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me in this beautiful studio. Thank you for coming on, man. I'm really grateful for you doing this episode. I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit for the next hour or so. I want to start off with one of your tweets, which says, staying positive in a world that wants to bring you down is a massive skill. I was hoping that you could elaborate on this a little bit. For sure. I think like if you look at the news or you look at the way society is programming people in general, it is to have a, a negative or cynical mindset about things because that's what's going to get the most clicks. That's what people are going to be excited to look at, share, and look at how bad the world is. It's like the common narrative that you hear. And I kind of realized this pretty early on, I'd say in the past five years since I've been creating media myself in the form of tweets, I've noticed what goes viral, what doesn't. And because the incentives are aligned for media companies to talk about negative things, to help people have that fear response, I noticed that I'm like, well, what if I did the opposite? What if I was full of love? What if I was full of optimism? What if I was full of kindness? And what if I put that on a pedestal instead? And so my whole ethos and what I'm creating with the podcast, tweets, with Instagram posts and all of it is just to promote a little bit more positivity and kindness and optimism and to look at the other side of the coin because there's enough negativity in the world. So let me shine the light towards the more positive aspects of life. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. How has focused, how has focusing more on creating more positive content helped in regards to growing your channel versus optimizing for clicks and whatever will get views? Yeah, I would say it's hurt in growing my channel uh -huh. because that is not the thing that people are going to really share but i'm okay with that i'm okay with slower growth because mm -hmm. i'm going to be doing this for a long time i have been doing this for a long time if you look at my blog posts from when i was 12 13 years old i'm writing about time management and living a happy life and optimism and kindness and so this is just in me at a deep level and so because i've been doing it since then and i just to be clear i had the blog for three months stopped it but it was clearly like to create writing or media and to share it in a positive way has just always been inside me. So I know I'm going to be doing it for a long time in the future. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I know that around the time, I believe whenever you were 15, you had a Knicks blog for the New York Knicks basketball team. Mm. And you mentioned that you were doing the time management blog kind of. Taking a step back, what were you like as a child? What were the things that you were doing that led you to ultimately be Danny Miranda and who he is today in regards to creating the podcast and other forms of content? It's just very much within my nature to mm -hmm. look at the world and want to share that experience with other people. Like that's just what's inside me at a deep level. I don't know why that's the case, but... I was six years old and I saw my parents reading the New York Times and I said, why can't I create that? And so let me create the Sunny Times. And so that's what I did. I created a little newsletter called the Sunny Times, sold it for $5. God bless my grandmother who just would go around to her friends and sell it. And that's how I got some of my first revenues. But it's the person inside me that has just always wanted to come out as the person who's looking at the world and sharing. And that's what I've done from all the blogs, from all the podcasts. Like that's just what I'm, I'm really doing. I look at a person and I'm like, wow, that person's really cool. I want to learn more about them. And I want other people to learn more about them as well. So that's really what I'm doing. That's, that's awesome. I'm really curious. So you're six years old, you're writing. What were your friends doing at the time? Or kind of what was that like in regards to going to school? I'm assuming not a lot of kids would be writing even from six to 15. Were your friends super encouraging and uplifting in regards to your 
creative projects or were you kind of just almost introverted and keeping to yourself while working on your projects? Yeah, so one of the the projects that I did was when I was 12 years old, I created a little league baseball website. So like for my little league team, I w- mm-hmm. what would happen was we'd play a game and then after the game was over, I created a website so I could put up everyone's stats and everyone's information and I could write an article about the game that we just played. And so all my friends thought it was cool. All my friends were like, this is awesome. I, at 15 years old, I'm creating this blog, this Knicks blog, and like I'm going to meet NBA players. Like People are like, yo, that's cool. I'm 15 years old, and I'm also not doing that. So I think there was just a level of respect from my peers and from my friends who were just around the same age. Obviously, six years old, I don't know what kids right. were saying at the time, and mm-hmm. it wasn't that serious. But when I was, when I was 12, 13, 15, I was always like people always encouraged me and always thought it was awesome what I was doing. That's so cool. Were your friends into reading and writing as well? Or were you kind of, it was always, that was your thing and your friends respected you? Yeah, it was always my thing. I didn't have like a lot of people that I was doing it with. It wasn't about other people. It was just like exploring my own curiosities, but I never really had the discipline to stick with any of those things. Right. I never could like do it for more than, I think the Knicks blog I did for a year and a half, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's the most any one of those ventures lasted because when you're young, you're changing and you're constantly like, and I didn't know the fact that if you're doing something like when you're doing something, not every moment is going to be amazing, right? Like for the podcast, it's not like I was so thrilled and excited to edit the video podcast, but I just got it done now because I've learned the skill of discipline. So that's kind of what I added into and what has made the podcast work today is like, I'm doing things that I don't want to do sometimes so that I can do the thing that I actually want to do, having conversations with people a lot more. So That's awesome. We'll get into discipline and consistency later on in this conversation. But before we get to that, can you explain the story about the next blog for the people who are listening who might not be familiar? For sure. So I was 15 years old and I looked at my email inbox and I was like, how come no one's emailing me? And I was like, well, clearly I'm not providing enough value in the world. So I need to create something that people are going to enjoy. How do I create something people are going to enjoy? Okay, well, what do I enjoy? Well, I like the Knicks. And I knew that this was the summer of 2010, which was the summer of LeBron's decision. And I knew that if LeBron decided to come to the Knicks, the Knicks franchise would be worth a lot more. And I would be, if I was creating a blog on the Knicks, that blog would be way more valuable. So in June of 2010... I started this Knicks blog and I was just writing every day and blogs were a way people were gaining traction. But I also realized I needed to just have people get to the Knicks blog in some way. So I created a Twitter account and then I start tweeting and then I start interacting with people. And then I start interviewing the people who cover the New York Knicks. So the Knicks beat reporters, they're called. And then from there, one thing led to another. And it's like after three months of doing it, all the Knicks reporters were telling me that they were going to a thing called media day and media day was where you interview the players, like the actual NBA players. And so I emailed the Knicks representative, the PR department. and was like, these are my blog stats. This is what I'm trying to do. I would love to go to media day. And they were like, yeah, you're, you're accepted. You're allowed to come. I showed up there and my mom drove me to the Knicks facility, which was like 45 minutes away. God bless her. She took off work. And I'm sitting there like, of course I, I can come to this. Like I'm, I have the blog stats to show for it, the amount of page views, but I got there and people were like, dude, who are you? you? Aren't you supposed to be in school? Like what's wrong? Like why, what's your deal? And I was just like, yeah, like I'm here to, I'm from nicksvision.com and I'm here to interview the players. And it was a pretty remarkable thing because I have Amari Stoudemire asking me like, why aren't you in school? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm looking up to these players both physically and figuratively. And it was just a, a remarkable experience of like, oh, I can shape the world to my desires and I can create massive change. And like it was just a matter of me putting in work for three months. That's it. And I got this incredible experience like, okay, the power of the internet is real. And so when I start the podcast 10 years later, it's with those learnings of like, oh, you can actually create real change in a very short amount of time if you take your thing seriously. 
Right. I appreciate you sharing that. One thing I'm curious about is that you mentioned you originally started a blog in regards to the next story. How has how have you seen the blog industry, if you want to call it that, or rather one thing I see a lot now on the internet is people starting their own substacks or email newsletters. Would you say that blogs are still very popular or have you seen people shift from blogs to email newsletters? And do you want to talk about how kind of you've seen that trend and how you use it in regards to your own podcast and marketing as well? Yeah. So blogging was something that was very impactful in 2005 to mm. 2012, 13, 14. You don't really have a lot of blogs these days. I know I checked Barstool and that that's considered a blog, but I don't really read too many blogs in general. So blogging is is not a way that people communicate through the room word, but Substacks, like you mentioned, are uh, Twitter is still prevalent and still widely used. And yeah, I think that it's, it's like you have to figure out where the people are going and where people are actually consuming the thing that you want to create. I even wrote a blog for like six months in 2020 and I was like, oh, no one's actually reading this. So like, let me stop doing this and let me put those efforts to Twitter or let me put those efforts to eventually creating a Substack. But I think it, a very important piece of what I'm doing is like looking at where people are consuming information and then trying my best to attack those platforms to the best of my ability. Right. Now, would you say that you have a certain demographic of people that primarily consume your podcast and content on Twitter and other social media platforms as well? Yeah, I mean, it's people who are creating stuff, people who are building stuff, people who are changing the world in some respect. That's how it feels. And it's just a cool, cool feeling to be doing something where I respect the people who are consuming the information so much and I admire them for their efforts and what they're actually trying to do. And some of the most brilliant people in the world listen to the podcast, like people who are, you know, massive influencers or people who like have in incredible levels of, of depth and knowledge. And so I feel really blessed that like the audience of people who has been attracted to the message has been some incredible minds. That's awesome. I remember coming across your podcast in 2020, right about right around the time you started. And it's been really cool to see your growth and how just staying consistent goes a long way. Tell me more about the power of discipline and staying consistent. You can talk about it in regards to the podcast or in regards to just overall well-being. Yeah. When I understood discipline for the first time was when I did this program called 75 hard. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, oh, I'm going to need to do things that I don't want to do. And in fact, I should lean into that because that's going to create the progress that I need to create the future that I want. And so 75 hard for those not familiar is you take a progress picture every day. You do two workouts. One of them has to be outside. You read 10 pages of a book. You drink a gallon of water and you follow some sort of diet that you get to choose. And there were moments where I'm like, I don't wanna do this workout right now. Like, this is just a waste of time. This is so annoying, whatever. But then when I actually did it, I was like, oh wow, I feel completely differently about it after the fact. And we're just poor judges of like, what's gonna make us feel good, what we're gonna enjoy. And that's not to say that I'm disciplined a thousand percent of the time today, but it's just like, I'm way more disciplined today than I was three years ago than I was five years ago than I was 10. And that's an exciting thing because I've seen the growth that happens when I commit to something. And when it, when you do that thing that you quote unquote, don't want to do like there's been an episode Monday, Wednesday, and Friday since October of 2022, when I decided I'm going to do three episodes a week. Right. So it's like the only reason I've been able to publish 322 episodes is because I have that baseline level of discipline of like, all right, it's 11 o'clock at night. There's no episode scheduled, but I recorded it and it's going to go out tomorrow at 4 a.m. Like that's just the way it is. And when no one's watching, when no one's listening, when no one cares, that's hard to do. 
But you have to convince yourself that in order to get to that point, you have to show up for yourself because people show up for the, for other people who show up for themselves. So yeah, discipline's been the most, probably the most important thing that I've done and having that skill and having that attribute has allowed me to do anything I set my mind to. Right. That's incredible that you've published 322 episodes. What is it that drives you? Why a podcast? And what makes you get up out of bed every morning? Who is the person that if you talk to, it could be 3 a.m. or it could be Anytime, any place, anywhere, who you'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm doing that conversation. Does anyone come to mind for you? Could you repeat that question? What, does a person come to mind for if you had to wake up anytime, you would be so excited to talk to that person? For me, it's just like everybody I get to talk to, I'm like, how the hell is this person talking to me right now? Right. Like, I just get so jacked up and I have like an energy. That is just so, I feel so blessed and I feel so grateful that this person is giving me their time. And there's so many people that I admire. So it's very easy for me to do it. And it's mm -hmm. very, it's like, of course, like Annie Duke is one of my favorite authors. And now she's talking to me for an hour and a half tomorrow. Like, of course I'm excited. Like, of course, of course I'm excited to get out of bed. You know, like Rob Lipset was a guy who, I did an interview with him at like, I think 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. because he's based in Marbella in Spain. I believe that's in Spain. And I was just like, of course I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. because Rob Lipson helped me lift weights when I was just getting into it. So I think what gets me excited is I love people and I particularly love people who have made their life something that is enjoyable. And I want to tease out those lessons so that other people can gain from that as well but also because i want to interact with them selfishly so that's all what makes me so excited right thank you for answering that i guess to dive deeper into that question what i'm curious about more is think about the early days maybe in high school and college before the podcast was even a thing what would you say you were inspired by or motivated by was it still people that you saw on the internet or biographies that you read of people that you looked up to or was there sort of some sort of inner drive of i want to do things and i'll let you answer that question there when i was growing up it wasn't like i was i was seeking out there's so much there I'm trying to figure out which direction to go in. But the truth is that when I was growing up, it was like there was a period of time when I was like, how do I live the most fulfilling life? And so for me, that was about reading people like Ryan Holiday or Gary Vaynerchuk when I was young or Seth Godin. And then it turned into like, all right, like some part of me just wants to be a normal kid. Some part of me wants to be normal because – the rest of the world is normal. My parents want me to be normal. And by normal, I mean like follow the path of college and get good grades. And I knew deep in my heart that that wasn't true, but I didn't have the courage to seek out or push against that. I didn't have enough confidence in myself nor enough desire to be that different. So I was just like, let me just be like everyone else. And so that included like partying, you know, just just getting lost in a normal life. And I think what I'm doing now is I'm fighting against that. I'm trying my best to be weird, be different in my own way and be excited by that possibility because it's like you only have one life. So you got to be yourself. But going back to those early days, like I was, I, there was no one that was like, I wish I had more of a sense of like, of self so that I could, I could follow my own intuition about myself and enough discipline to stick with it even when there were things that I didn't want to do. I'm glad you brought up having a sense of self because I was listening to one of your interviews that you did and you mentioned that in order to be a good interviewer or podcaster, it helps to really be comfortable with yourself. How would you 
describe or rather define what being comfortable with yourself looks like? You can talk about yourself if you would like to, or for the person who is listening who might want to be more comfortable with themselves, what can they do in order to achieve that sense of inner security? I would say that the first thing is like, and a good test of this is like, can you make a conversation with a stranger? Can you go up to somebody who you don't know? And especially if they're attractive that you like, what, where does your mind go when you like look at an attractive person and you're like, okay, like you want to be with them? Like, or like, where does your mind go and, and follow that? And if you can approach them or talk to them, that's a good sign that you're comfortable with yourself. So that's like a good test I find. It's like, it doesn't actually have to be an attractive person, but it just could be just anyone in general. But how you get to that place for me was meditation. And for me, that was just looking at myself, uncovering other people's voices that were instilled in me and the negative voices and just looking at them and looking at the ways in which I had personally been just like other people's voices had come into my life and that those were the scripts that I was running. As soon as I recognized those, they disappeared. And as soon as they disappeared, I became able to go into any conversation, any room, any, any person and just say, Hey, I'm Danny. You know, like it also comes from confidence and doing the things that other people don't do. Right. Like, of course you're more comfortable with yourself when you have gone to the gym for five years or when you've recorded 300 podcast episodes. It's like, of course, that person is inherently more comfortable with them because they put in more action towards something, a desired future that they want. So like, if you're not comfortable with yourself, pick out a desired future and step towards it, right? That's a difficult thing to do because it requires you to have the courage to know where you want to go and also like the courage to actually take those steps. For me, I wasn't comfortable with myself from 16 to 25 because I wasn't, I didn't know the direction that I wanted to go. And I wasn't taking steps towards that place. I was taking steps towards someone else's dream. If you take steps to other, someone else's dream, you're inherently going to not be comfortable with yourself because you're spending time with the other person's dream or with the other person's actions. So for me, I became really comfortable with myself when I started taking desired actions towards the place that I really wanted to go. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, in your podcast, you've obviously interviewed, quote unquote, many successful people on the theme of discipline, consistency, being comfortable with yourself. Are there common themes or patterns or traits that you see amongst your guests? Yeah, one is that I interview a lot of creators, mm -hmm. just like th they're creating something. They're building something in the world. And it's usually something that has to do with leverage. Something that is trying, they're trying to, the work that they're putting in today, they're getting more out of it a year from now or two years from now mm -hmm. in an exponential way. So that's like a common thing that I, I noticed in the people that I'm interviewing. Another is like, these people are all working hard, but it doesn't seem like they're working hard to themselves. To other people it does. To other people it's like, wow, that person's really working hard. People really think I'm working hard with the podcast. And I am, I guess, in a way, but I also am just like following my own curiosity. I'm, I'm also like following my own joy. And that's something that I see over and over and over again. Uh, another is like people are self-aware enough to notice their own strengths and doubling down on those. They're figuring out and they have figured out when their friends ask them when, or when their friends think about themselves, they're like, oh, like what is that person? the best at or what do I like have you asked your friends like what do you think I'm the best at or when have you seen me at my best yes yes and it reminds me I'm glad you brought that up because I read somewhere a long time ago to define yourself by your strengths and not your weaknesses definitely yeah I mean and so like if you just ask your friends like wh where do you find me at my best it could be a good indicator for the thing that you should spend more time doing. And yeah, I mean, I, that's what, that, those are the commonalities I found is like, they're, they're working hard, but it doesn't seem like it. They're, they're doing something that's in line with their strengths and they're using leverage in some capacity. 
Right. That's awesome. Would you say that that stems from a place of being extremely self-aware of figuring out what it is to work on what is going to be the most or rather highest leverage activities? Yeah, definitely. That's a huge part of it that people have looked at themselves and or experienced enough of the world to know which route to go and which route not to go. For example, like when I was just starting out, when I was graduating college, I just started drop shipping and making money doing e-commerce stuff, not thinking like, is this going to be something that I want to enjoy five years from now or 10 years from now? But I didn't know that I didn't like that until I did it. And I was like, oh, this isn't for me, but that's okay. And that's the thing is like understanding that a couple of different things has been really important. It's like one, if you won the lottery, what would you be doing tomorrow? That's a huge one for me. And then like, what were you doing as a kid? And like, give yourself time, give yourself time to experience the world and not judge it so harshly. I went down the route of becoming a personal trainer. That didn't work out. Went down the route of dropshipping. That didn't work out. So it's like, you got to figure out your thing, but it takes time to do it. And that's okay. And not to like, you don't need to rush the process. Like you're going to try a million different things and that's okay. Right. So ultimately being patient and while following your curiosities and figuring out what works and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And so self-awareness is just self-awareness and patience. That's, that's like the entire game Mm -hmm. and then the work ethic to actually see the thing that you're doing through. Right. So you graduate college, you're doing drop shipping. You realize that that isn't working out per se. Was that the inflection point in regards to, Hey, I want to start a podcast. I know there's a story that you tweeted about in regards to you renting out an Airbnb kind of, How'd you go from drop shipping to podcasting? Yeah, so it was September of 2019 where I stopped drop shipping. And then it was September of 2020 where I started the podcast. So in one sense, it was quick. In another sense, it was long to a figuring out to getting to know myself. And so it's it's like I tried out a bunch of different things. I tried out, uh, you know, personal training. I tried out just like writing was one thing that I was writing out of my blog. And then I just started having incredible phone conversations with people. Well, to give like the full picture of it, it was March of 2020. I was completely lost. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was depressed because COVID and the world was going to end. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I started being like, all right, what can I control about this situation? Well, I can control the actions that I'm taking. So let me start reading. Let me start working out. Let me start just doing the things that I know I should do. And I just create a list for myself and I just did them. And so I, by the end of three weeks, I was like, wow, I'm in a different place right now. And I started doing a lot of reading and going inward and writing. And then by July of 2020, I tweeted out who wants to talk on the phone. And I would have these phenomenal phone conversations with people where people would be like, wow, I feel really energized right now. Wow, I feel excited. And I felt excited too. And I was like, oh, I got to share this conversation because this was a valuable experience for me. And I think other people might enjoy it as well. And so I did. I shared the conversation. And that a shared conversation of audio format is a podcast. And so that was the start of It happened so organically. And I wasn't like, I'm going to podcasting is going to be my thing and I'm going to do it forever. I was like, let me try a hundred episodes. If I do a hundred episodes at the end of it, I could say this is for me or this is not for me, but I have to give it a, a fair shot of a hundred. I think Tim Ferriss did this where he was like, I'm going to do six episodes and that's cool too. Like you choose a number to give yourself the conditions of where you're going to start and stop. But that was like kind of the journey. And because I'd read so many books, I wanted to talk to the authors of those books as well. I was so curious, like, who are these people? What are they about? Like, what? They've written these words down, but like, what is it like to talk to them? And that, that's what I did. I just sought out to find all the authors that had influenced me and I just reached out to them and that created the podcast. That's awesome. Speaking of authors whom have influenced you, I remember in your Twitter thread that you were talking about 
how you got an Airbnb near the river. You spent five days, five days there. And one of the books that you tweeted out was an autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Would can you explain why Benjamin Franklin and why does he inspire you or why should someone read into Benjamin Franklin? Because I've seen Charlie Munger reference a lot of Benjamin Franklin as well. So I'm curious. Yeah. For me, I was just, I don't know how exactly I stumbled across that book, but I knew a few things about Benjamin Franklin. One is that he started one of the first media companies in that it was a newspaper. I forget which newspaper he started, but he started a newspaper. And two, he was one of the first people to do self-development in any way, meaning he would have a bunch of different attributes. I believe it was 13. And he would write out these attributes and be like, did I hit this attribute today? And if not, he would exit out. And if he did, then he would give it a check mark. And so it's like, he was thinking about how do I live a life well lived? It's like, if I follow these attributes, then in, in all my life, then that's a good life. And what if I did that on the daily? So it's like breaking down the macro to the micro. But Benjamin, th those are really the two main reasons why I'm so inspired by Benjamin Franklin because I've realized from reading his book, like, oh, I'm creating a media company too in my own way. It, was, it wasn't through the podcast at the time. It was just through blog posts and tweets, but I was inspired by that. And I was also inspired by the way he was able to think about, like, if I lived life like this, what would that lead to eventually? So, Right. I'm glad you brought that up because it brings me to my next question. How do you define a life well lived and what does success look like to Danny Miranda? For me, it's two things. It's discipline and love. Benjamin had, you know, probably 10 or 12 different attributes, but for me, that's too many to keep into my mind at one time, but discipline and love. It's like, if I can live a life that is disciplined, I do the things that I say I'm going to do even when I don't want to do them and love, like just meet each moment with optimism, kindness, and just try to bring the love that I have for myself into the world. Like that's a life well lived. That's if I can, if I can die knowing that I did that every day that I possibly could, I'm living good. That's a good life for me. So discipline and love. Do you love in regards to doing the, you're working on your projects, such as the podcast, or more love as the people in your life, kind of, would you care to go deeper into that? Yeah, it's both. It's mm -hmm. both. It's like love for each person I interact with, love for myself, love for putting love into the, the work of the podcast and anything I'm building. Try to instill a little bit more love into life is like what I'm really attempting to do. And like, it's also about fulfilling the mission of making the world happier, healthier, and wiser. And so if I can use discipline and love to do that, like we're good. We're good on life. That's awesome. I'm glad you brought up having discipline and love because one of the ways I look at these passion projects or creative projects is almost like a seed or a plant that you got to pour love into and water and it continuously grow. Have you kind of seen that in regards to your podcast growing of just this quite literally notion of pouring love back into it? Yeah. Well, whenever you do, especially in the beginning stages, it's like most vulnerable to people's comments about you know, you shouldn't be doing this or this is wrong or like it's whenever something's in the beginning stages of anything, it's very vulnerable because I mean, think about a baby, right? Like a baby is one month old. It's more vulnerable than it is at one year or 10 years old. And so I think part of me realizing that was about not showing people my work or not allowing that allowing the people in my own life in my own inner circle to see the things that I created until they were ready to stand on their own. Like no one knew about my Knicks blog probably until I don't know, three months into it or it, it, it was definitely was a while before I was comfortable enough to share it with my parents and friends. And cause I just didn't want their per opinions and perspectives, which I valued so much to get in the way. But 
when you when you put love into something, then you're like, all right, three months into it versus three years into it. It's like, you could tell me you don't like the podcast now. It's not going to offend me. And it's not, but if it was three days into it, there was, there could be a part of me that's like, well, I probably shouldn't even do this. Like people won't like it. It's stupid, whatever. But now it's like, oh, like I, I know it's not going to be for everyone. I know that who it attracts, it's going to like, that's the way it's supposed to be. So I think it's important to notice in your own life, like, whether or not you should share things with people when you're just getting started. But if you are comfortable sharing it, like maybe that's a sign that it's the right thing for you. Like I was comfortable sharing the podcast since day one because I just knew like this is my true being and I was comfortable sharing it. But there were definitely points in my life when I wouldn't have shared the things that I was just starting out because I was scared. Right. What would you recommend for someone who wants to put themselves out there, whether it be a podcast or a blog? and is struggling with feeling comfortable or not in regards to sharing it from day one, do you think it's better to be closed off and keep it to yourself or just put it out there regardless of the feedback, good or bad? It, How do you, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough because it's a person-by-person -person situation. And... For example, I started writing on Twitter in 2018 under the pen name Danny Roars because I wasn't comfortable enough with myself and the things that I was talking about. I didn't want anyone in my own personal life to discover them because deep down I knew that dropshipping, e-commerce, marketing wasn't what was really going to light me up and what I was hiding a part of my soul. Like that's me reflecting back. But on the good side of that, it introduced me to some great friends like Tej Dosa and Nate Schmidt and Scotty and Andy, and people that I traveled with. And so I'm happy that I put myself out there in some way under a pen name, just because I was like, it helped get me in that process of creation. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day who's very confident in themselves. And I was telling them, in order to grow your business, you should be commenting to people on Twitter about the thing that you are building. And they were like, dude, I just don't feel comfortable to like reach out to a stranger. And this is virtually, and this is a confident person in real life. And so building that skill is very important. It's not like the world is going to become less digital, right? It's not like you're going to, like, I guess you can outsource that, but like, I don't know. To me, I'm always like, the world's becoming more digital. The world is going, the people who have audiences and the companies that can create audience for, audiences for themselves are going to be in the best position. Why wouldn't you want to be in that position? And whatever you can do to help yourself put yourself out there more, whether that's under a business account or that's under a pen name or that's without a face, like whatever you need to do to get that done is what you should do. But you end up realizing like, Oh, you can put your stuff out and no one could care about it. And that's okay too. So yeah, man, I think it's the most important thing for people to think about is like putting content out online because you can connect with amazing people. You can learn about yourself. You can gain an audience. You can gain leverage. But like, if you don't want to do that, one, also realize like you might not need to do that. Like you might be someone who is not supposed to build that. And instead you could be, not every person needs to build an audience. But I do think it's an incredibly valuable trait and you should try to do it for at least 100 days before you say, this isn't for me. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's say someone in college reaches out to you say hey Danny I want to build a audience from scratch at zero we can use Twitter for now because that's what you're most comfortable with what would you recommend to them in regards to building a personal brand um, because at least from my from what I've seen I've seen two types of personal brands people who have organically built their personal brand just sharing whatever it is that they're passionate about right it could be working out going on walks, doing whatever. And the second half of that being people who try to optimize for likes and clicks and just have a lot of threads and content. So is there a right or wrong way to go about it? Or what would you recommend for the kid in college who says, Danny, I want to build a personal brand so I can have leverage and do things that you were doing as well, but I don't know how to go about it. 
I would say figure out your favorite accounts. Find five that you really enjoy, that you really resonate with, and figure out what are their best performing tweets. What do, about this do I enjoy? Why do I resonate with their content specifically? What about them inspires me or that I that resonates in some way? And if you can figure that out, everything else will will take care of itself. But you have to reverse engineer the per, the people or the person that you admire, and then ask yourself like, can I create this in my own way? What problem am I solving? How can I create something that people are going to want to see? A following is just comes about because you have something that people want, right? Think about that for a second. A following comes about because you have something people want. Andrew Tate came about because he had something that kids wanted, which was like money, cars, girls, an ability to speak well, right? Jordan Peterson came about because he could eloquently describe things from psychology in an incredible way. Joe Rogan came about because he had a mix of martial arts skills and communication skills and comedy skills, and he was able to weave those. People want that. They don't even know they want that. But success on building a brand is having something that people want. And so what do you have that people want? Are you funny? Are you interesting? Are you insightful? Are you a good writer? And so... Got to figure that out. That's a good way of looking at it. I almost like the framework of being someone who is deserving of having a following or being someone who is deserving of people to care about that person. For sure. Absolutely. Yes. Let's talk about writing. You have said that good writing is a window into the soul. What does that look like? Do you have a writing process yourself that you try to do? I mainly go through tweets. That's like the main way that I'm writing these days. Just tweets and sometimes notes in my phone. And it's just like thoughts. And I'm always like, where do these thoughts come from? Like, what is going on? Like, why do I have these specific thoughts? And it's usually based on the recent inputs that I have and the recent things that are coming in. But yeah, I mean, my process is just like consume high quality information. And whenever I have a thought, try to jot it down that I think is insightful. And I miss so much. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I've, there are things in this conversation where if I go back and listen to it, I'd be like, that could be a good piece of writing to start with. Or, and so, so much of writing is just like capturing. It's like, how are you capturing the things that come into your head? I think I've read somewhere that we have 30,000 thoughts a day. It's like a huge portion of those are meaningless or not insightful, but like a very, a small percentage, I'm sure. And a great percentage for people wiser than me are very insightful. And so the more you can capture those, the better. And that's kind of the process. And so the reason why it's a window into the soul writing is because like you're capturing those things that are in the back of your head and you're letting them come forth. And that's why I love it. I love the process of it and always have. Right. Aside from tweets and Twitter, I'm more asking in regards to the books that you read. What kind of books do you read? Do you find yourself reading a lot of fiction, nonfiction, business, self-help books? Do you want to go deeper into that? Yeah. So currently I'm reading Quit by Annie Duke because she's coming on the podcast tomorrow. Um, I've, I've been reading nonfiction all my life and I need to be going deeper into fiction. Like I want to because I just want to light up different parts of my brain. Uh, I'm trying to think of recent books. I read Kevin Hart's autobiography, which was phenomenal, very inspiring, exciting. Like you could feel the journey and the story. So I just finished that. I always have like at least one book that I'm in the process of reading. Is there a book or certain books that you constantly, from the time you were a child to now, find yourself revisiting? Not from when I was a child, but... A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle for the last three and a half years, I find myself revisiting it, gifting it, and sharing that over and over and over again. A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, unbelievable book. Uh, the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer gives me a lot of peace that where I'm supposed to be in this moment is where I actually am. A lot of people feel as if, ah, I should be, I should be somewhere else. I should be doing this right now. I should be doing that. Like, That's the common narrative you feel from a lot of people. When I speak to people, that's what they say a lot. It's like, I'm in the wrong place right now, or I need to go. Like, 
13.7 billion years got us to this moment. That realization and having that top of mind allows me to have incredible peace and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer both give me that feeling. Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It by Kamal Ravikant, also a heavily gifted book of mine. And I keep, I come back to that whenever I'm in a downward period or whenever I just want to like in fuel myself with some more love. Conscious Living by Gay Hendricks. Like I've come back to that book a few times in the last two and a half, three years. So yeah, man, there, there's a bunch. Mm-hmm. It's a treasure trove of amazing resources. And what's so beautiful about today in the day and age we're living is like, wasn't that long ago, a hundred years ago where you couldn't just access incredible minds and information and insightful stories and ways in which people's lives would change. But we have access to that today. And I feel a deep feeling of gratitude for that, for the the fact that a hundred years ago, you start feeling upset. You just think like that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe you go to a, a psychologist. Maybe you don't. Maybe you go to a, a library. Maybe you don't. But today we have so many resources. We have so much out there. So it's up to us to really use it to the best of our abilities. That's awesome. It seems as if a common theme between the books you've mentioned so far is being present. Would you say so? Definitely. Aside from meditation, how have you found yourself to be more present and grounded? Conversations mm-hmm. are a huge one. Talking to people. I, I find myself, time flies by, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm really in an insightful conversation with somebody. Um, walks are a great way to be present. Another great way is to, like, think about your hands, your fingers, and your toes. Like, really think about those. If you do that, it's hard to be thinking about anything else and like you really come back to the present moment. Something about that. And I got that from my friend Tej Dosa who told me like, yeah, if you want to be present, just like imagine your fingertips and your toes and like feel them. It's like you really get grounded. So those are a few ways. That's awesome. Speaking on the topic of books, you've obviously mentioned great literature, books that have been around for a while. How do you see chat GPT looking ahead in regards to literature and people still continuing to write themselves? Well, as we get more information and as the machines and tools we use get smarter, we will both get dumber and we will get smarter at the same time, which is a weird paradox where it's like we have less firsthand knowledge to create the things that we have today. Like I have no idea how to create this microphone I have no idea how to create these cameras or like like water a plant. Like I don't know any of this stuff. But like the reason why I bring that up is like because previous generations did know how to build things from scratch. And so as we get more divorced from the first principles of creating and building the things in our world, like the scarier it becomes because your car breaks down but you don't know how to use it and you don't know how to – you knew how to, to fix a – a mechanical car, but you don't know how to do an electric car, right? So that's like a, a new thing that's going to come about. And it is it is both scary and exciting because we are going to get smarter and we are, are going to get dumber. And I don't know what that means, but I know it's going to be an exciting world to live in. Mm-hmm. I know you talked about this a little bit, but how have you used ChatGPT for your own podcast in regards to thumbnails or writing bios? Yeah, so... My process, which was kind of interesting to see the way in which people were surprised to see it because I, I just thought it was kind of obvious, but I'm honored that like I shared it. A friend asked me about it and I shared it and it was helpful to people, which was I go through the episode after it's done. I do timestamps for every moment. I write a bio for the person and then I ask ChatGPT, what are 25 possible titles that you would name this episode? And I don't necessarily take the episode titles as they give them, but I use that as a baseline, which really helps and is super insightful because it's like, oh, I never would have thought to include this or this. And it's just based on the timestamps and the bio that I previously wrote. That's awesome. Do you think that anyone should start a podcast or do you find that certain people are meant to have a podcast and certain people are probably better suited to pursue other endeavors. 
Yeah, I think that it's not for everyone. So uh-huh. like how how could how could a, a form everyone is going to have conversations with right. the rest of their lives. So like or I think at least that could Elon could prove me wrong, you know, like who knows what type of conversations we're having 10 years from now or 100 years from now with Neuralink. It's wild, but the way in which it currently works is people communicate verbally. So I figured it makes sense to get better as a verbal communicator. But and so like I think everyone should try to improve their verbal communication skills and one way to do that is start a podcast. But that also doesn't mean that everyone needs to, right? Everyone some people are great communicators and some people don't want to get better. And I think that you know, people have different ways of expressing themselves and it's like it's clearly inside of me to create a podcast in some way. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's for everyone. Right. From episode one to 322, or we could even go from one to 100. How have you seen you as a podcaster improve your skill set? And was there a period between from the inception of your podcast to now where you felt like giving up or asking yourself hey i'm not sure if i am working on the right thing or not yeah absolutely so from zero to 100 it was like i think i heard howard stern talk about this where just like the goal of a radio host is just to be comfortable with themselves so they can get to the truth of what they actually want to ask and from zero to 100 and from zero to 322 i've just become so much more comfortable with myself of being able to ask anything and being more willing to actually go to the places that I, I really want to go to. And so that's one thing. Um, I, I definitely wanted to stop or I considered quitting in December of 2022, which is December of 2021 rather, was just like a, a hugely like, I just was very unsure of myself and very unsure if this was the path for me because I'd done this job and I just wasn't really happy with the progress of the podcast. Even after episode 100, I was like, I thought I'd be further along by this point. Um, and so when I wasn't, that was a very difficult part, like particularly from like episode 100 to 250 was like the real dip of the podcast. And then it was just like, oh, like it, it started to make sense and the ball started to roll a lot more. But it's also related to how seriously I was taking it myself. Like I think I wanted incredible results from the podcast without putting in and sacrificing the time hours commitment of getting better of putting timestamps of putting clips out of just reaching out to the most incredible guests and like all of it leads to a never-ending path and the work is the reward and so i i think like from episode 100 to 250 not the entire time but some parts of it i was like wallowing in ah like i want to be further along but i didn't want to commit to doing the actual work Right. I'm glad you brought that up. I think one thing that particularly stood out to me in preparation for this podcast, you yourself, Danny, were talking about podcasting and you mentioned how you were talking about coming up with questions on the spot, right? Kind of having a certain script that you want to hit, but at the same time, ensuring that there is still some level of authenticity where you're able to come up with questions on the spot and i found that that's something that is a skill and it's really hard to do right you're talking right now and i'm constantly having to be like what am i going to ask next and i think you've done a great job as your podcast has grown getting better and better at that how would you suggest to improve upon that skill or is it just something that comes with time it's meditation which gives you trust for the present moment and then it is listening to other podcasts hearing the guest speak and be like what would i ask in that moment then it's also one thing that i want to start doing is improv because improv you need to be quick with what you're going to say next and you're going you need to be really present so that you can take it in whatever direction. A huge part of that is trust of yourself. How, how do you get yourself to trust yourself more? It's like, well, you accomplish more. Like, or you 
are going towards an aim that is really important to you, as we were talking about before. So trusting yourself and knowing that even if you make a mistake, it might be your greatest moment ever. For example, Larry King. Do you know what Larry King's most viral moment in history is? No, I'm not aware. So Larry King asked Jerry Seinfeld, what was it like when your show got canceled? And Jerry Seinfeld said, what do you mean? My show ended up the number one show and we left on top. And Larry King was so comfortable with himself of being like, oh, I made a mistake, whatever. And Jerry's just like screaming at him and like, what's wrong with you? Like, this is so. But he made a mistake and he was comfortable with himself. And that's just because he had 60,000 interviews that he did. Then you do 60,000 interviews. You talk to 60,000 people. Just you understand like everything that happens, it happens. And it's no big deal. And I think interviewing is is about getting back to that place. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. That's awesome. While we're on the subject of podcasting, I remember you tweeting out a while back. Before even worrying about marketing one's podcast, it's better to get to 100 episodes. Do you care to elaborate on that? For sure. So... A lot of times we think about how can I get this into as many hands or as many ears or as many eyes as possible, but we don't think about, do I even enjoy doing this? Do I even enjoy doing this when no one's watching? Is this something that I can see myself doing for a decade? I know like the real gains from the podcast are going to be years 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It's like, okay, if I know that to be the case, then what am I worried about in year one if anyone's listening or not? Because year 10 is where the actual growth is going to happen and the real exponential gains. So I knew that I said to myself, like, I got to do a hundred before I really care about, because every part of the process requires its own level of skill. It, there's a level of skill to getting someone to watch a clip of the podcast. That's less than 30 seconds. There's a level of skill that you that's required from forgetting you for getting people to watch a four minute clip. There's a level of skill that requires someone to get to a full length episode and listen to that. And it's like, you can try to gain all different skills at the same time, but why not just try to get really good at one skill, which is like, for me, it was like making someone feel seen in a conversation, making the guests be like, yo, that was different. What was different about that? Why, why did I enjoy that? And so if I could get good at that skill, which I identified, then I realized like everything else would take care of itself to some res respect because if the guest felt that way, then I'd want to get the episode out. And if I wanted to get the episode out, then I wanted to get more people to see it. And the guest was more willing to share it. And the guest, you know, so like for me, it was just like, let me get good at the skill of interviewing and then let me figure out if I want to grow this. And uh, it also was helpful to hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk about he doesn't try to grow anything until he's done it for at least two years. Gives you a good baseline for like, time like I, I definitely didn't think in those long time horizons or two years two years felt like a long time to me in college and when I was 15 and 16 but now it's like two years two years ago I started the podcast two years ago I had you know Gary Vaynerchuk on that that was only two years ago it's like what's the next two years gonna look like and what's five years the next five you know so I think when you find something you really enjoy doing and you experience more life you realize ah, I can I can do this for a longer time and it helps you put it in perspective. Right. So you're saying essentially having that longer term approach and view of thinking. Yeah, this it's critical. Wonderful. Is there a certain mistakes that you see young and upcoming podcasters do that you think not necessarily mistakes or rather you see new podcasters coming that there's certain things that they can improve on? I honestly don't spend a lot of time. Uh, not like I don't, I don't spend time like picking apart people, mm -hmm. strategies or, or new podcasters or or old podcasts. Like I don't. Right. I don't really think about it like that. Uh huh. I. I don't n None come to mind, really. Right. Interesting. I'm curious you mentioned that you want to be famous, right? If 
not already, you would, <laughs> you want to be famous. Why do you want to be famous? And you've acknowledged that fame comes with a double-edged sword. Yeah. It's not so much that I want to be famous. It's that I recognize that what I'm doing is externally facing. So because I'm trying to be a master at what I'm doing over a long enough time horizon, it's going to lead to more people knowing me and more people knowing me after a longer and longer and longer time is going to inevitably lead to fame. And I guess that's why like, I've recognized that and that become at peace with that. And I, I think it's, it just is what it is, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying to myself, like, I want to be famous. I'm saying to myself, like, I want to be really good at podcasting. Well, if you're really good at podcasting, a lot of people are going to know about it and that's going to lead to fame. Does that make sense? Right. That makes a lot of sense. And that brings me to my next point, which is that I know you mentioned you eventually want to sell Madison Square Garden out. Kind of what is your rationale behind that? Where do you see the future of the podcast and the Danny Miranda brand going? Yeah, I mean, I want to sell out Madison Square Garden because I, I looked at what I was doing as a kid. I was going on the Long Island Railroad to the Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, the world's most famous arena, and I watched the Knicks play. And I'd be like, how crazy and how cool of a story would it be if I could go full circle on that? And that's kind of just where it started from. And that's, I've still held on to that vision. I still do. And I'm, I'm excited to, to just continue getting a little bit better as a podcaster every day, continue getting better at distributing the clips and the, the videos themselves and continue just to try to put one layer and one brick down every single day and see what happens. Because I think that can lead to incredible, incredible places, hopefully selling out Madison Square Garden. And uh, like, if not, that's all good too, because it's about the journey of trying to achieve that. It's not about actually selling out Madison Square mm -hmm. Garden. It's about, let me just podcast every day and talk to amazing people and learn about people and connect. And if that leads to the place where I imagine, amazing. If it doesn't, I already won anyway. That's awesome. Would Madison Square Garden be a live podcast or would it be more of a Danny Miranda, the motivational speaker? <laughs> Um, I think it would probably be highlighting other people, but I don't know. Uh -huh. we'll, we'll have to see. That's cool. I'm excited to see how it goes. One thing I'm really curious about is I see that you put your goals on the internet. Do you hit all of them? And how do you react to the ones that you don't hit? And can you talk a little bit more about accountability in regards to personal accountability on the internet? Yeah, so I definitely don't hit every goal I set. Like, for example, I put out in the end of 2021 that I was going to do 75 hard every single day of 2022. I got to February 18th, I believe. Stopped. So just be clear, I do not hit every goal that I put out on the internet. But I will say that I, I feel as if I'm way more inclined to hit a goal, especially in the beginning stages, when I put it out there. And that's because people, I respect and appreciate my the people who follow me, and I want to live up to the standard that they see, and it inspires me to, okay, I said I was going to do this, so let me try to do it. It doesn't always work, but when it does, I found it to be a nice little useful accountability buddy to help me get to where I want to go. That's awesome. I know we talked about fame a little bit. How has if you want to call it fame per se, or rather having an online following, how has that looked like in your day-to-day -day life currently? Well, it's like you coming up to me in the sauna and being like, listen to this podcast and now you're here. Right. So that's kind of like what it's like. It's interesting. It's like at a point where it's big enough where some people know about it. A lot of people don't, but some people do. And you know, people come up to me and they're like, you know, I listen to the podcast. This is cool. Like I, and it's, and it's just a lot of positive and encouraging interactions. Like people see what I'm doing. They're excited about it. And it's really remarkable to like have something where 
you put your heart and soul into something and people resonate with it like that's there's nothing better than that that's awesome and yes i think what you're doing is so cool and inspiring and i'm sure it's inspired many more people to take that leap of faith and put themselves on the internet or pursue whatever creative endeavor that they want to do yeah and i think it's important that it's like it's coming from the place it doesn't have to but for me it's just coming from the place of like this is an internal game like i'm just playing because this is fun for me right i'm not trying to get people to know who i am so that i can feel some level of peace like i already feel peace internally and that's why i can do all this stuff that i do that's why i can put myself out there so yeah i think it's it's an important thing to note and i think there was a lot of times in my life when i was seeking external gain because i was trying to fill some hole inside of me it's like it's so much richer when you're whole you're good mm -hmm. and then you're approaching life and you're like i just want to give this to other people right coming back to that theme of being comfortable with yourself definitely that's awesome would you say that people coming up to you, this newly profound internet fame, if you want to call it, has been something centric to Austin? Or did that exist back in Long Island in New York as well, or to the other cities that you traveled to? I would say it's it's very related to Austin. It's, right. It's crazy because I feel like people in Austin are, one, building the future, two, heavily internet native, three, they're just people who are are interested in thinking about the world in different ways it's like austin's a, an interesting mix because it is both like it's a republican state but a democratic city and so it's got a great mix of both and it's just like it's such a wonderful place to be because you have those mix of ideas and you have the rise of so many great podcasters who are here like tim ferris and joe rogan and lex and chris williamson it's like all right like all of that energy is just here and building and it's exciting and it's it's cool to be on the outskirts of it it's cool to to just experience it and it's a special time and place and it, the reason i think why i'm getting recognized in austin is because those people are also building the future and those people are also going to play pivotal roles in what's to come that's awesome if you had to describe austin in three words being out of state what would you describe it growth community slash connection and i'm gonna you know and fitness i would say that's awesome that is awesome i think that this was a great podcast danny i appreciate you coming on to the show are there any closing remarks that you'd like to tell everyone i would just say first of all thank you for having me and to just call someone you love today and just tell them you love them like I think that is something we don't do enough of and if you can do that then like maybe that's a good day and maybe that will make someone's day and I think if everyone could do that we'd be in a slightly better world that's awesome where can people find you the Danny Miranda podcast is probably the number one place to do so I like to say that you can find me on Twitter Instagram TikTok YouTube I feel like the podcast is the thing that's going to stay over the longest time. So the Danny Miranda podcast and send me a message at Hey Danny Miranda on Instagram. If you got to this point of the episode. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Danny. I'm very grateful for you coming onto the show and it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome.